What's going on, family? Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. My name is Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are well. Whew, what a tough 24 hours. What a tough few days it's been in the world of pro wrestling. But what we're going to do is what we always do, bring you the news, have great conversation, and the like. So first of all, shout out to all of you who join us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. Thank you so much for your continued support. Big shouts to all of you who join us by way of podcast as well. Be it Spotify, Apple, or Google, it is an amazing, amazing thing to have you with us. We certainly appreciate it. And shout out to all of you who have already checked out a quick reel that I did late last night in honor of the late, great Scott Hall, which we will talk about today. If you've missed it, you can go to my personal page at Bonner or you can check out our stories right now on the Faction Show and you can check out my thoughts on why I believe Scott Hall is the most important wrestler in the last 30 years. And we could even go so far as to say all time, but I'll definitely say the last 30 years. So go ahead and check that out. Now, as you can imagine, today we are going to be spending quite a bit of time talking about Scott Hall. And if you have not heard the news, Scott Hall did pass away last night at the age of 63 from complications from hip surgery. So what happened is he went in for hip surgery over the weekend. He had three heart attacks. As Kevin Nash mentioned, Hall was going to be taken off of life support. That happened around noon yesterday. However, Hall hung in there. He hung in there. He hung in there for as long as he could, eventually passing around 6 p.m. Eastern here in the Atlanta area. So I wanted to take some time to build a case to talk about the incredible career reach and range of Scott Hall. So when I first encountered Scott Hall, it was 1986 in the AWA as Big Scott Hall, but he actually began his career in the NWA in 1984 as part of the Florida Territory known as Championship Wrestling from Florida. And he did some amazing things there, as you can imagine, moving into the AWA where he was known as Big Scott Hall in that particular space I remember him being part of a great tag team teaming up with Kurt Hennig and they would go on to become the tag team champions there in the AWA and one of the ideas that Vern Gagne had who was the creator of the AWA was to basically make Scott Hall their Hulk Hogan. So if you remember, or maybe you don't, before Hulk Hogan got to the WWE and Hulkamania started running wild, Hulk Hogan was the big figure in the AWA. In fact, when he went and shot the Rocky movie, he was in the AWA still. He hadn't moved to WWE at that particular point. Hulk Hogan was the baby face of the AWA and many thought that at some point he would become the AWA world champion was involved in many big matches against Nick Bockwinkle and the like well in 1983 when Hulk Hogan left the AWA, a number of superstars would go with him ultimately, Bobby Heenan, Mean Gene Okerlund, several others who were mainstays in the AWA, 
And so by the time we get to 85, 86, the AWA is still very much in recovery mode and they don't have that towering figure like Hulk Hogan. And there's certainly nobody at that particular time in size or stature that could equate to what Hulk Hogan was doing in WWE. You've got to remember, if we're talking 1986, by 86, the first WrestleMania has happened in 85, all right? So really, there's a lot that goes around when, and if you've ever watched the documentary about the rise and fall of the AWA, there was very much bitterness between Vern Gagne and the folks in the AWA and Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon certainly came in and utilized a number of those top stars to become WWE superstars. In so doing, that really rated the AWA and left them at a bit of a talent deficit. And so then they were starting to try to compete with the WWE but WWE was doing something so different then. They were creating wrestlers as larger-than-life figures. And so the AWA kind of had the working man's figure, guys like the Bruiser and the Crusher, who, you know, basically looked like guys that you would see in a bar somewhere. They had that kind of respect in Minnesota. But, of course, what WWE was doing, they were doing something far different. WWE was creating these super super giant superstars the nwa was still kind of rocking with their wrestlers of course they were a larger territory but if you'll notice once the wwe brought hulk hogan in then that's when several of these places started looking for larger superstars so think about this 86 you get the entrance of lex luger in the nwa and then you get in the AWA, Scott Hall, who at one point wrestled as Magnum Scott Hall as he joined the AWA in 1985. So think about this. Certainly he looked a whole lot like Magnum TA or even Magnum PI, right? So that was a big thing, but certainly him being the big guy that he was and being so young, the AWA certainly felt as though they could build around him. And they did to some degree, as he teamed with Kurt Hennig to become the tag team champions, beating Jimmy Garvin and Steve Regal. They do that at the top of 1986 in what was a big, big match. So they would do quite a bit. And although there was talk that Vern Gagne wanted to put the world title on Scott Hall, it never happened. And part of the reason it never happened was because the AWA was on a sharp decline going from 86 to 89. From there, Scott Hall would take his talents to WCW. WCW at that point was an interesting place because they were trying to separate themselves from the NWA, which they wouldn't fully do until 1991. But at that point, he ran through a couple of different personas. He would come in as Scott Gator Hall. That's in 1989. He'd have a brief tryout with the WWE and worked actually in New Japan in the very early 90s before returning to WCW in 1991, where he was known as the Diamond Stud. Now, what's interesting about being known as the Diamond Stud at that point is he was part of the faction known as the Diamond Diamond Mine, oddly enough, it's interesting now that I think about it because the name Diamond Mine is currently being used by NXT. Another story. But the Diamond Mine at that point was managed by 
Diamond Dallas Page, which obviously would begin the professional relationship between Diamond Dallas Page and Scott Hall. Though Scott Hall is often credited for actually training Diamond Dallas Page to become a wrestler. However, that time in WCW in 91 to 92 wasn't the best time for the Diamond Stud, who wasn't necessarily a winner and those types of things. He would really, really take off in the WWE. So after a fairly solid start in the AWA and a fledgling career in WCW, he comes to the WWE in 1992 as Razor Ramon. And as Razor Ramon, he was literally the coolest cat on the roster. He's a guy we were supposed to hate, but we found ourselves loving and loving well. And when you go back, and of course now, lots of pictures are surfacing on the socials about those epic vignettes that he shot coming into WWE. And those were not extras that were cast. He actually went into neighborhoods and people were watching these tapings happen. And he would sit and take pictures in low-income neighborhoods just because he cared about people. And it was just really a special, special time for the WWE and Razor Ramon, which WWE had not seen a character like him in ages. He would go on to have four Intercontinental title reigns. And again, at this time, the Intercontinental Championship, incredibly prestigious. Not just did that happen. But when we start thinking about all of the firsts that happened with Razor Ramon, he was actually involved in the very first segment of the very first episode of Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw began with an interview between Vince McMahon and Razor Ramon. So there's another interesting fact for you about the impact of Scott Hall. Razor Ramon did so many amazing things. And of course, we think about 1994, WrestleMania 10, the epic ladder match. And here's what's so interesting to me about that ladder match. The ladder match, the highlights that we often see of that ladder match, of course, is Shawn Michaels doing that incredible spot where he's jumping off of the ladder on to Razor Ramon, and it was an incredible match. Many still regard it as the greatest ladder match of all time. It was the first ladder match in WrestleMania history, really only about the second or third in the WWE's history at that point, since prior to that, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels had a ladder match, but it was not on the scale of WrestleMania. Many tend to forget that the winner of that ladder match was actually Razor Ramon. Most people credit Shawn Michaels because he hits all the highlight reels, but it was Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, who actually walked out of there as the winner holding the unified, undisputed Intercontinental Championship. He even would become a tag team champion, teaming with Diesel as they would hold the tag titles together. That would be, of course, Kevin Nash, and of course, we know their relationship and how deep that went. So really an incredible run. We all know, or at least if we don't know, by the time we get to 1996, Scott Hall wanted to be able to stay with WWE. He looked for some sort of guarantee from Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon states on the record that he wasn't giving guarantees then. He was only giving opportunities. 
Plus, you have to remember, this was not today's WWE. Today's billion-dollar juggernaut that was the WWE was not the same situation in 1996. I want to remind some of us that during this time frame, 94, 95, 96, when WWE was itself rebounding as Hulk Hogan left the WWE going to WCW and then Vince McMahon was on trial against the federal government for all that we see with WWE packing out stadiums and doing Raw's and arenas they were doing episodes of Raw in high school gyms how do I know because they actually did an episode at the Liberty High School gym Liberty New York is literally 10 minutes from where I grew up in Monticello, New York, and neither of those places are exactly spots that you would do television tapings, nationwide television tapings. That's the point that WWE had gotten to. So they really weren't in a financial space to be able to make guarantees. It wasn't Vince McMahon being stingy. They didn't have the money and business wasn't working that good. Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, all of these names that we know now weren't names then. So they did not have those kinds of draws happening. On the flip side for WCW, it's now been bought by Ted Turner. Ted Turner is raking in all sorts of money from CNN and other spaces, and he's got nothing but money to throw at people. You've got Eric Bischoff now, who's running things. Bischoff, of course, knew Scott Hall from the AWA days, etc., etc. And now you have this perfect storm of Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall, heading to WCW. He heads to WCW, now ushering in the first era of the guaranteed contract for wrestlers. And that guaranteed contract earned him a certain amount of money that was guaranteed, and it allowed him to work half the dates that WWE had. It's the win-win, and probably any of us would have taken the same deal if we were put in the same situation. No doubt about that. He would bring Kevin Nash over literally two weeks later. We know about the curtain call that happened, and as I mentioned, I want to kind of just flush this thought out. So why we consider Scott Hall to be so significant? Because if Scott Hall doesn't leave for WCW, there is no curtain call. And if there's no curtain call, Triple H doesn't get punished in 1996. If Triple H doesn't get punished in 1996, he was scheduled to win the King of the Ring in 1996. Had he won the King of the Ring in 1996, the winner that we know now of the 1996 King of the Ring would not have been Stone Cold Steve Austin. If Stone Cold doesn't win the King of the Ring in 1996, he doesn't deliver the Austin 316 promo, we don't get the rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Attitude Era in that moment is halted. Couple that with this. If Scott Hall doesn't leave for WCW, then who is WCW going to have a Monday Night War against? Let's remember, by the time we get to May of 1996, Nitro has been on the air for about eight or nine months as they debuted in September of 1995. At that point, 
they weren't beating WWE in the ratings. And I do think for you guys in podcast land, you're going to get this special tidbit, and that's this. Hulk Hogan wasn't enough to cause WCW to beat WWE in the Monday Night Wars. Nitro was going head-to-head with Monday Night Raw, and it really wasn't that big of a deal. Even with Lex Luger making the first jump on night one, it wasn't enough to move the needle. With Hulk Hogan regularly there, it wasn't enough to move the needle. In fact, Hogan went to WCW in 93. So if you're putting all of this together, you understand that the linchpin for the Attitude Era, for the Monday Night Wars, for the resurgence of Hulk Hogan's career, for the birth of the NWO, for the birth of Crow Sting, for the birth and the rise of DX to counter what WCW does. That all happens because Scott Hall goes to WCW. He goes there. Many don't know how he's getting there. He gets there. He changes the game. We now think there's a WWE invasion. They don't refer to him by name. Kevin Nash comes in. Now we have a situation where all of a sudden we have to watch Bash at the Beach 96 to see who is the third man. None of this happens if Scott Hall isn't brave enough to go to WCW for the guaranteed contract. The whole Attitude Era as we know it doesn't happen. There's no room now or need for The Rock in November of 96. Yeah, that happened after Razor. The big Stone Cold Bret Hart feud of 96 doesn't happen. King of the Ring 96 doesn't happen. Vince McMahon isn't backed into a corner and has to say we need to get rid of the new generation era and usher in an attitude era. None of that happens if Razor doesn't go over to WCW. When he goes to WCW, all of a sudden, WCW goes 83 consecutive weeks winning the Monday Night War, forcing Vince McMahon's hand, forcing Vince to go into a corner, forcing Vince to build new superstars. There's a whole lot that doesn't happen if he doesn't go to WCW. So you can credit Razor Ramon for the NWO. You can credit him for the Attitude Era, and we can take that all the way to current day. If there's no NWO, there's no Too Sweet. If there's no Too Sweet, there's no Bullet Club. If there's no Bullet Club, There's no all elite wrestling. Do you see what I'm saying, friends? That the domino effect of all of that is because of Scott Hall. If you don't have a successful ladder match at WrestleMania with Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels, we don't see TLC. We don't see money in the bank. We don't see any of these ladder match extravaganzas that was birthed in 1994 at that WrestleMania. There's a reason why that match is talked about more than Bret Hart wrestling twice that night or Bret Hart winning the WWE Championship because the match that stood the test of time was Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels. Scott Hall, without question, is the most important wrestler of the last 30 years because much of what we live in today doesn't exist without Scott Hall. And that is why we make such a big deal 
about the bad guy. We don't have the anti-hero of Stone Cold Steve Austin or all of the other cool anti-heroes that happened after that if we don't get Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon made it cool to like the bad guy. And then he turned that around in the NWO and blurred the line so much between good and bad that we were cheering what was supposed to be the bad guy and booing who was supposed to be the good guy. In fact, if the NWO isn't successful, Chris Jericho doesn't come to WWE. And if Chris Jericho doesn't come to WWE, he doesn't become the legend that he is today. Do you understand what I'm saying? The big show doesn't become who he, Eddie Guerrero doesn't become who he, all of these folks, all of this is a catalyst of Scott Hall. So when we lose a Scott Hall, we have to understand why this one hits so differently. Because the landscape of pro wrestling for the last 30 years and today is completely different without the bravery, without the moxie, without the input and influence of Scott Hall. So today we acknowledge and celebrate the memory of Scott Hall and we'll continue to do that. So all that I've said, go back and check out the reel. We kind of did a reel in about 45 seconds, which really succinctly explains this. But shout out to Scott Hall and Scott Hall's influence is all over pro wrestling. We didn't even talk about what he did in TNA. We didn't talk about what he did in ECW. We didn't even talk about his influence on Southern Honor wrestling as he was very dear friends with our booker and co-creator Dylan Freimeyer. Dylan Freimeyer who happens to also be a video editor at AEW. Yeah you, you see and without SHW I'm not commentating. Scott Hall has influenced my life. Scott Hall has made massive change in the world of pro wrestling. So with that said, we honor and commemorate the memory, the life, the legacy of Scott Hall, which will live on forever. And that, my friends, is too sweet. Representing from my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, the EP, my name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction.